Um, this morning, we are going to be in 1 Chronicles 29. Uh, we're going to keep it simple. We're staying in one chapter. There's one slide, so you can turn there now. If you need a Bible, there's some in the seats in front of you. Please feel free to keep those, use those. Um, this is a passage that, so I've shared with you guys, I've mentioned that I'll be giving you a little bit more insight into what this last year looked for Adeline and I as we felt this call towards ministry over the past couple of years and as we began this process. So starting in 2019, we began interviewing with churches, and I knew at some point I was going to be a lead pastor at a church, and so I just turned to the Old Testament, right? I, I turned to the Old Testament leaders to see what I could learn. And this was a passage that really, do you ever have those, you're reading through scripture and a chapter just smacks you across the face? This passage immediately grabbed my heart sometime back in the spring, and I've revisited it about once a month. And so as I began praying about, okay, what am I going to preach this Sunday? God immediately drew my attention back here. So I want to spend some time in First Chronicles and, and really look at what we learn. Um, but before we do, let's pray. God, what a beautiful sound it is to hear the voices of your church raised to you, celebrating you. We thank you for the chance to worship you with song. We thank you for the chance to worship you with our offerings. And now we ask that you would quiet our hearts, still our minds, so that we could continue to worship you in this time. We ask that these words be pleasing to you, God, that it wouldn't be me speaking, but it would be you. If necessary, speak in spite of me. Let this be a time that just praises you and brings us to our knees before your throne. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in 1 Chronicles 29, the first 18 verses. And what's going on is you've got David wrapping up his reign, right? He's actually about to die. The people don't know that. But you've got David wrapping things up. He had wanted to build a temple for God. That was David's kind of final, this is my last item on my bucket list. I want to build a temple for God. God told him no. And so David is informing the people, hey, this isn't going to be me. This is going to be Solomon. Here's where things are going next. And I know 18 verses sounds like a lot. We're going to read through all of them together. But I want you guys to hear the full context of this conversation that David has with the people of Israel. It's such a beautiful, powerful reminder of who David is. And honestly, I think in these verses, we see a great snapshot of the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And I really think we see why in these verses. Let's start in verse 1. And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, who God alone has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the works to be done by craftsmen. Gold, listen to this phrase that he repeats again. We're going to come back to this in a little bit. Gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. And then he draws in the people of Israel and he says, Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of fathers' houses made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. 
They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people, who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people, and direct their hearts towards you. And I know that was a lot of verses, but like I said, I wanted us to get that whole conversation. I wanted us to have the context. Because now we're going to go back through and we're going to look at really what is packed into David's kind of final moment with the people of Israel. I think it's beautiful what we see in these verses. Because the first thing we see is David refocuses the people immediately on God. Right? There's a time of transition. Everybody's loved David. David's been their hero. David's been their champion since he was a boy. David is on his way out. And so naturally, you've got people, you've got some people who are probably pretty excited. You've got some people who are probably pretty afraid. You know, some people are probably pretty confused and they don't know what to expect. And David knows this, right? David knows where the people's hearts are going to go. So he immediately refocuses the people on God and he says, no, 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 listen. This work is great, not because it's about man, but because it's about God. And that's what I want to start with. The work before us as Community Bible Church is great, not because it's about us. It's not about me, it's not about anyone on staff, it's not about the elders, it's not about the awesome volunteers and the kids wing, it's not about you guys. The work before our church is great because it is about God. That's where David starts because he wants, as he goes through the rest of this, as he lays out what he wants to say to the people of Israel, he wants them to begin with that central idea shaping everything from there on out. Look, everything I'm about to say you need to approach from the premise that this work is great because it is about the Lord. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Everything else that we're about to talk to, we're starting from the premise that it is great because it is about the Lord. It is not about us in any way, shape, or form. I love when God is moving in the hearts of his people. Matt and I were texting about the sermon this week, and you know, he's asking, what are you preaching on? And I told him, and he was like, okay, here are the songs that I was already planning to do. And the very first one is, it's not about us. Right, And you've got God drawing our hearts to the same conclusion. And, and stuff like that, just, it gets me excited. Right, There's the buzzword. There's excited. And then what's next? So David says it's about God. It's great because it's about God. And here's where I'm tempted to feel a little awkward. And I'm guessing maybe one or two of you guys are, 
are tempted to feel a little awkward, so I'll be the awkward one, and then we can all just be casual together, because now we're gonna talk about me, and that's weird, okay? So I'm gonna do it, get it out of the way, because he talks about Solomon, and he points out two things that I wanna talk about. And I'm tempted to avoid these, but I'm reminded that we're to use our lives as testimony to who God is. And so I want to use what God has been doing in Adeline and I in our lives over these last two years. I want to share it with you guys because I want it to be a testimony to who God is. Right? I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm going to be honest about my vulnerabilities. I'm going to be honest about my highs and about my lows over these last two years. Because I see, like I said, this chapter just it grabbed my heart. He says two things about Solomon. First, he says, whom God has chosen. We cannot deny that we were called to this church. We, so a couple years ago, 2016, 2017, we began wrestling with, actually I began wrestling with privately, am I called towards ministry? I really feel like this is what God is putting on my heart. And after a couple months of it, I, I talked to her about it. And she and I began praying together. And we're wrestling with, because here's the thing, I grew up, right, I've told you, my dad was a pastor, I'm about as insider church as you can get. I know how serious ministry is. The one church we interviewed at, they asked, they were like, oh, is your dad, you know, kind of relieved that you're finally joining ministry? And I was like, no, my, my dad wouldn't have wanted me to join ministry unless I was called. This is a huge deal. This is not something you take on lightly. So in 2016 and 2017, we're wrestling with, are we called towards ministry? 2018, yes, we are definitely called towards ministry. And so we come up with our plan. And it's a great plan. It's a great three-year plan. It's nice and slow. There's phases. There's steps. There's processes. Cool. In 2021, we'll start interviewing. We've got our plan. And God laughed. And, and around the summer of 2018, I began feeling just this, this holy restlessness. Uh, to borrow a phrase from Bill Hybels, a holy discontent, where I couldn't think about anything else other than ministry. It was consuming my life, this burden for ministry, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I talked to Richter. I talked to some of you guys out here in the audience. I talked. I went down. She and I met with Jeff Miller, our district superintendent, and this was in December of 2018. And Jeff was like, at the end of that, he said, with your permission, I'd like to send your resume out starting in 2019. And so that, that kind of freaked us out, right? I was a little like, uh, Jeff, I came up with a plan. This, this is not in the plan. And he was like, okay, pray about it. And so we prayed about it, and we had peace. And so for all of 2019, we were interviewing with different churches, some in Ohio, some in other states. And every time, every time we went, and we met 10, 9, 10 churches, something like that, 9, 10 churches. We had conversations with about five or six of them. We had serious multiple follow-up conversations with three or four of them. Um, and every single time, I'm getting excited, right? Because God, the whole year for 2019, God is saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. And we'd talk to a new church, and I'd be like, this is it, this is it. And I'd get excited, and God would say, nope, nope, pull back. And then we got to this church, and we're feeling excited, and we're getting excited, and God said yes. And that's why we said yes. You need to understand, and you need to know, I said yes to this invitation for one reason and one reason alone, because God said yes. I do not ever want to be anywhere other than where God has for me. There were two churches we talked to that we loved, we loved the people. We loved the ministries. We loved what they were doing. We were so excited at the idea that this might be the churches God, God has called us for. And both times, God said no. And both times, I called those churches, and I said, hey, look, respectfully, I'm going to withdraw myself. And the one pastor, well, what would we do? What would we say? And I said, God said no. As far as I'm concerned, that's the be-all, end-all. 
So when it came time for this church, there was no doubt in my mind, there was no doubt in our hearts that God chose this church for us and he chose us for this church. I don't say that with any ego. I say that incredibly humbly. We were blown away that God was so kind to allow us to stay here with our family. We are so humbled by this. But there is no doubt in my heart that God chose this moment for us. If I didn't have that assurance, I wouldn't have said yes. And that's the first thing I see in Solomon that jumps out to me in this chapter. And the second thing that I want to address, and I want to address this because I know it's on one of your minds, and I say it's on at least one of your minds because it came up with every single church we talked to, Solomon, whom God has chosen, is young. Sam is young. There is no way around it. I've tried telling people I'm like 45, they didn't buy it, right? But every single church we talked to, it came up. And sometimes it was kind of funny. It was kind of, they, were, they were all so nice. And the one church really was treating it like I was a deer that was going to freak out and run when they revealed this bombshell. They were like, hey, um, so listen, we, we don't know if you're aware. Um, there, well, uh, there's this thing. You're young. Like I was going to be like, ah, and you know, run out the door, right? There's no way around it. I'm young. And trust me, I am painfully aware of my age. And this is where I'll be real about my weakness and my vulnerability, right? In this last year, as we've interviewed with churches, we started off with some great churches, and then there was a span. There's probably three or four months where nobody was calling. Nobody was talking to us. And I started to panic. I started to get afraid, right? And I started to doubt, and I started to worry. And that little voice started to whisper from the enemy, yeah, it's because you're young, you dummy. Like, you're 29, do you really think somebody's going to take you seriously? You're way too young to lead. Do you really think anyone is going to listen to you? It's because you're young. So trust me, I am painfully aware of my age because I allowed it to be a discouragement. Because that's how the devil works. And I want you to hear this, and I want you to take this away for your own lives. The devil will not attack you where you are strongest. The devil will go after your biggest area of vulnerability. If nobody would have called me and, you know, I would have heard that whisper, oh, it's because you're not well-read enough, I would have laughed. I would have been like, no, okay, I know that's not it, right? But he goes after the weakness. And so it is vitally important, please hear me today in this, it is vitally important that you know what God says about you as compared to what the devil will try and convince you about yourself. You must know what the Lord says about you compared to the lies the world will try and tell you about yourself. Because God kept bringing me back to this passage and he reminded me of one very simple truth. Sam, you know your age, so do I. And I'm okay with it. And how dare I be anxious over something that God is not troubled by? And so that's, that's where this passage really grabbed me personally. And it spoke to some of the fears and the worries and the panics in my life. It was just this reassurance of, it's not about me. It's about God and what God wants to do. All right, everybody else weirded out? We've talked about me for long enough. Like, never do that again, ever, in the history of the world. Because now let's move on to what David goes, where David goes from there. He goes on to say, I've provided for the house of the Lord... So far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze, the wood for the things of wood, right? And then he goes on and he, he lays this out and he says, this is what I've done. And then he asks the people a very simple but very powerful question. He says, who then 
will willingly, the words are all intentional, who will willingly consecrate themselves for the Lord? You remember a couple weeks ago I preached on sanctified, right? Anybody? Please, one. There we go, one person. One person remembers sanctified. And I said the Bible uses sanctified and consecrated synonymously. What's the two-word, I gave you guys a two-word definition for sanctified? Set apart, exactly. So what David is saying is, this isn't about me. This isn't about Solomon. This is about God. Who then will willingly set themselves apart? I love that David doesn't say set their wealth apart, set their home. He says, who will set themselves apart for the Lord? Because that's the crux of this, right? That's the crux of any body of believers. It's not about the leadership. It's not about the people. It's about God and what that will require, what that needs, what that demands. What we should willingly offer is ourselves entirely set apart for the Lord. And so that's the question facing each and every one of us every day of our lives. And that's not just a question for this church. As long as you're here, I want you to ask yourself, will I willingly consecrate myself for the work of the Lord? If your job takes you to another state and you find a new church, I want you every day to wake up and ask yourself, will I set myself apart for the work of the Lord? This is the question that is at the heart of our daily life. Will we willingly set ourselves apart for the work of the Lord? And the work is great because it is for the glory of the Lord. And so that's what David draws the people's attention to in this time of transition and change. He says, don't look at the external circumstances. It is about God's glory, and the question is, will you willingly set yourself apart for the Lord? And David uses that phrase, will you set yourself apart for the Lord? Because it's not a decision I can make for you. It's not a decision Esther or James or Sherry or, or Matt can make for you. It's not a decision the elders can make for you. There is only one person in this room who can decide whether or not they will be consecrated for the Lord, and that is you. And make no mistake, you will be held responsible for your answer. And we as leadership will be held responsible for your answer. And trust me, that, that mantle of responsibility weighs on us. I want you to know how seriously we take this idea of being a church set apart for the Lord. The elders were gathered together right before the service praying, and all three of us mentioned in our prayers, God, give us the wisdom to do this because there is a burden of responsibility for this church. And we know we don't have it in ourselves to do it. So the question that David asks, and the question I want you to go home and answer, and I want you to answer it tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and so on. Will you willingly set yourself apart for the Lord? Will you set yourself apart at work? Will you set yourself apart at home in your neighborhoods? Will you set yourself apart on Sunday mornings? Will you set your life apart for the Lord? And then there's a follow-up to that that I want to talk about. And this is where I said pay attention to the phrase, gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, wood for the things of wood, and so on. David goes through and he lists it out, right? He, he lists all these materials. And then he talks about precious stones. And the Bible even says, it says in verse, oh, I wrote in the Bible and I wrote over that number. Three, maybe four. Moreover, in addition, in all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own. And because of my devotion, I give it. We're not all going to give the same thing. We are not all going to bring the exact same material to build the house of the Lord. David points it out. He says, no, we have gold workers, we have silver workers, we have wood workers, we have iron workers. And he asks the people, what you have will you set apart for the Lord? Don't worry if you're not exactly like me or exactly like anyone else in here. I'd be terrified if it was a church of me's. 
Oh my goodness. Ah, there'd be a Sam-sized hole in that wall. I am thrilled that it is not a church of me's because we all have what God has given us and we have it to bring it together. And I'm not just talking about material things, right? We're quick to say like, oh, well, so-and-so can tithe more than I can. Okay, that, that's one thing. But I'm talking about your personality. I'm talking about your abilities. I'm talking about where you're called to serve. Luke, you want to preach next week? That's a pretty adamant head shake. <laughs> Luke does not want to preach next week. Ask me if I want to be the one back there in charge of all the buttons and tech stuff. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Don't. I've got a book. This is about the level of technology that I'm comfortable with. Pen and paper, right? <laughs> Amen. Good. But that's what it is. We have different gifts. We have different comforts. Because if the house of the Lord had all gold workers, then what are they going to do with the pile of iron and the pile of bronze and the pile of wood? If we had all people who wanted to stand up here and teach, who's going to be back in the kids' wing? Who's going to be the people who feel called? I mean, bless the hearts of the people who show up to events early to decorate and set up the tables and prepare the food. And bless the hearts of the people who stay after to tear it down and to clean up. And bless the hearts of the people who show up and they plow and they salt and they stand at the door and they greet. And they serve in so many different ways. It is a beautiful thing that the body of Christ has people who have been given different gifts and abilities and personalities. And what David points out to the people and what I want you to come away with today is you have been given what you have been given for a reason. And it cycles back to that question of will you set yourself apart for the Lord? And so what David asked the people to do was look at who you are, look at what you have, how can you use it for God? And that's what I want our church to ask ourselves, knowing full well that we all don't have the same blend. We all don't have the same house. We all don't have the same paycheck. We all don't have the same personality and gift set. And that's a good thing. Because the question is still, how can I use this for the house of the Lord? And that's where David moves. And then he cycles back and he ends with, and this is what I want to spend the rest of our time with. He reminds the people, once again, that it's not about them. Listen, I'm going to reread, starting in verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And what had just happened, actually, I'm going to back up, I'm going to read verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Who could possibly listen to those three verses, right? Or four verses, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Who could listen to those four verses and come away thinking, yeah, it might be about me, right? He goes through riches, honor, power, glory, majesty, greatness. It is all about God. These are titles that belong to God and God alone. As we've talked in leadership meetings, we don't want you to invite people to this church because, oh, the leadership is great. We don't want you to say the reason you need to come to our church is because the programs are great. We hope the programs are great. We hope the leadership is great, right? Like that's, that's what we hope is an outpouring of hearts solely devoted to the Lord. 
when you invite people to this church, I want you to be able to truthfully say, come to this church because it is a body of people who are solely devoted to the Lord. If we can be a church where our driving force is hearts surrendered to God in every way, shape, and form, it'll take care of itself. I'm convinced of that. I absolutely believe that if we are people entirely willingly set apart for God, we won't have to ask for more help serving in the kids' wing. We won't have to ask for more help setting up events. We won't have to ask for all these things that churches have to ask for. If we can be a people who remember those four verses, that yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the glory and the honor because all things come from you. If we are people whose verses define our lives, I'll be pretty happy. That's my burden. That's what I want this church to be, is a people who are about God and God alone, above all and before all else. And then David draws further attention to that. Listen to what he says in verse 14. Just in case there were one or two Israelites still stubborn enough to think, well, I've done pretty well for myself, king. I'm a shrewd investor. Some of this is about me. David says in verse 14, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. Of your own we have given you. See, when we're tithing and offering, we're not giving our own back to God. We are giving what God has given us already. It's a continuation of the worship of recognizing how richly he has blessed us, the abundance he has poured out on us. David draws attention to that. He says, For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow and there is nothing. Our days on earth are like a shadow, right? We always lament. Max Lucado, Lucado, Lucado? Max. Max points this out in one of his books. He says, we always say he had too short of a life. But in light of eternity, who has a long one? Right? We get so wrapped up with this little moment we have on earth. And we forget that in light of eternity, who has a long life? Jesus, one of my favorite things that Jesus says to the Pharisees, and it really, this is one of the times when the Pharisees get most mad at Jesus. They're talking to him about, who do you think you are? You know, like, are you saying you're greater than Moses? And he says, before Moses was, I am. Our days on earth are like a shadow compared to the eternal glory of God. How dare we think that this is about us? And he goes on to say, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name. I've provided an abundance for your house. No, it comes from your hand and is all your own. You don't own a single thing on this planet. You have been entrusted with things that God has given you to be a steward with them. Your home is not your home. Your home is God's for the purpose of glorifying him. Your car, your job, your paycheck, it has been trusted to you to use for God's glory. And David draws the attention to that. And then he finishes with this. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. Make no mistake, God delights in the righteous. Do you stop and think about that? Do you, do you stop and realize that God delights in you? The creator of the heavens and the earth, the Alpha and Omega, Yahweh, looks at you and he delights in you. What a joy that is. This isn't a burden. David's not describing a burden of consecrating themselves. This is a privilege we have 
to devote ourselves to God's glory. David says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. And David ends with this plea. He ends this section with this plea. He says, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. Keep forever such purposes in the hearts of your people. David knows who we are. David knows what people are like. The series that we're going to start next week, I'm, I almost said excited again. I am very enthusiastic about, we're going to expand my vocabulary here. I'm going to have to learn some synonyms. I'm very enthusiastic. We're going to start a, a series on Psalm 23, right, that David wrote. And we're going to learn how to be sheep. And you'll see, David knows full well what sheep are like. So David prays for the hearts of the people. He says, God, forever keep these purposes and thoughts on the hearts of your people. Keep their hearts directed towards you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. We said it's about God's glory. And what will that require? That will require a people whose hearts and purposes and thoughts are directed towards God and God alone. And that's what David wraps up with. He lays this out. He says, I know there's transition. I know there's uncertainty. I know the guy up front is younger than you. But that doesn't matter because it's about God's glory and this is what God has chosen and what God has set. I don't have all the answers. I can promise you that right now. If you look to me for all the answers, you will be sorely disappointed. I have a heart that I intend to fully devote and surrender to God every day of my life. Amen. That's all I have. He has gifted me in certain ways, and I intend to use those gifts for Him. And I would ask the same of each and every one of you. I don't want any of you to have all the answers. I don't want any of you to have every single thing this church needs. I don't expect any of you to. I expect and I ask that you surrender your heart fully to God into His glory, into His work. And if we are a church that that is true of, man, that's the church when Jesus is talking to Peter and He says the gates of hell won't stand against it. If we can be a people wholly, willingly consecrated for the work of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord. This has been the passage that I have come back to every month this year as we faced uncertainty. It's been a weird year. Spending a whole year not knowing, are we going to be moving within the next month? Right? Like, okay, what home projects do we start? Because in a month, are we going to have to put our home on the market? What, what do we do with jobs? What do we, how does this look like? It's been weird not knowing what's next, but knowing something is next and just kind of waiting. It's been a very unusual year. And God has brought me back to this passage over and over again because every time I'm tempted to listen to that voice that whispers, yeah, you're not ready for this. You're too young. You don't want to leave your house. You don't want this. You don't want this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Every time I'm tempted to listen to that whispering voice, I read God's word and I hear the roaring voice that reminds me how great he is. Amen. And that's what I want us to be. I want us to be a church, a people, wholly set apart for the glory of the Lord. The work is great because this will not be a church for men. This will be a church for God. Amen. That is my burden.
That is my passion. That is the hearts of the leadership. I love the leadership of this church. I love them deeply. I love the staff of this church. I love the volunteers of this church because we have people who have set themselves apart for God. And if we are a body set apart for God, I absolutely believe that God will do great things. Because God promises that he can do great things. And so that's my plea. That's my prayer. Is that you wouldn't be a part of this church for me. That you wouldn't be a part of this church for your friends. You would be a part of this church for God. That's what David laid out for the people of Israel. And I think it's a perfect place for us to be. Let's pray. Lord, I don't... I don't even know what to say. I really don't. I I don't know what words I could possibly bring that are fully worthy of the glory of your name. So instead what I ask is that you humble all of us daily. That you drive us to our knees before your throne. That you drive us to our knees to praise you and to celebrate you. That you make prayer, communication with you such an integral part of our lives that we can't fathom a moment without it. That we worship with everything in us. That we hold nothing back from you. And God, as you grow us, as you stretch us, as you mold us, I thank you for the great things ahead. I anticipate beautiful, powerful, wonderful things that point to your glory. And I thank you that we have a privilege to be a part of those as your church. We give you everything and we trust you with all of this. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Let us stand together.